We're reading from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 35. And I'll be starting at verse 4. Exodus chapter 35, verse 4, and through to the end of the chapter. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen thread, and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And all who are skilful among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars and its sockets. The ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering. The table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread. Also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps and the oil for the light. The incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screens for the doors to the entrance of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its bronze gratings, its poles, all its utensils, and the lava and its base. The angings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court. The pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords. The garment of ministry for ministering in the holy place. The holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons to minister as priests. And all the congregation of the Lord of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of the meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. They came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, rings with necklaces, all jewellery of gold, that is every man who offered an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet, fine linen, goat's hair, and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering, and every one with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and the spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work, which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded to be done. To be done. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See the Lord as called by name, Beelzeel, and the son of Uri, and the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge, all manner of workmanship, to, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, 
in cutting jewels for setting in carved wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he put in his heart the ability to teach in him the Aholib, the son of Ahishmach, and the of the tribe of Dan. He, he has filled them with skills to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. May God bless his word. Giving away your money. During the summer, I think some people have already acted upon this already. I saw in the newspaper the guy named Mr. Lewis, and he was in Aberystwyth. And he was the guy, if you might remember in the, the news, who got £5,000 in £20 notes. And I think it was at the uh, crossing, he just threw it up in the air. And then following that, caught on CCTV, there was a scramble of people who maybe for the first time thought he was a litter bug, but then maybe their eyes looked down and they saw that they were £20 notes. My understanding is on that CCTV that Alan Pibworth, on his way down to Newquay, was seen stooping down, and though therefore, in turn, the team fees for that week were reduced. Biddy tried the same. He thought it would get a crowd at St. Ives. But folk didn't seem interested. Maybe it was the sound of the 40p coming down to the ground and the two Irish punts, as it were, that were still up in the air. And then there was that uh, Warren Buffett, the, well, reputed to be the second richest man in the world, who gave away the bulk of his £24 billion to charity. I guess at 75, having lost his wife, he felt he'd have difficulty spending it all himself. But imagine if we had got in there before Bill and Melinda Gates had with their foundation charity. Can you imagine the prizes? Can you imagine Ireland? You know, can you imagine Steve with that kind of budget to spend? I mean, the prizes have been good this year. But instead of a kite, we'd be giving away cars and aeroplanes. And they wouldn't be toys either. Uh, you know, can you just imagine? My father-in-law always used to say, if you're out to catch fish, catch fish with money in their mouths. Or maybe, well, giving away your money. But all too often, in Christian circles, it's the very opposite, isn't it? It's that subject, particularly, I guess, in Britain, that we don't like talking about. And as a pastor of a church, well, I have a vested interest in it, so therefore you tend not to speak so often about it. You know, people think, oh, you know, oh, he's, he wants an increase, you know, whatever. But if you're anything like me, every week you get, and certainly the older you get, you'll get letters through the post from very worthy charities, from very worthy Christian works too. And they're all trying to encourage you to give. To give tax efficiently, whatever, but to give. I want this morning, in my basic, very simple aim, is to encourage you to give and give. I want you to take this matter seriously. It's not just for when you get older. It's for now. Whoever you are, it's for now. And I just want to read the few verses in chapter 36 that followed what Steve read there in chapter 35. And I just want to read verses 3 to 7. 
as a starter to our thoughts this morning, really. And it says, And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought to the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him freewill offerings every morning. And all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough to the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Can you imagine? That would be the equivalent in UBM circles of David Kindred and Dave Johnson standing by the offering box and saying, keep away, keep away. We've enough to do the work that we've got to do. And what's more, this wasn't their regular giving, their regular tithes, and yes, the Bible does talk about tithes, this wasn't their regular giving, this was on top of that. This is what they gave, as it were, as it were, to build in the temple, to build in the tabernacle, that God had given instructions to do. There was no arm twisting, there was no browbeat appeals, there was no, as it were, you know, appealing to the heartstrings. You know, a clever letter, an example of a person, maybe a child or an adult that's in a difficult situation. There was none of that. And yet, I guess there are some this morning, and you are thinking, this doesn't apply to me, Alan. I've got no money. I've got nothing. The only thing I've got is a bank overdraft or a loan to pay back. But you're wrong. You're wrong. What I have to say this morning affects everybody. Whether your income is pocket money from your parents, whether it's a student loan, whether it's birthday or Christmas money, whether it's a regular wage, whether it's looking after the family budget, as it were, you all spend money. I spend money. And this has to do with that this morning. And the principles are the same. Whatever amount of money you have, the principles are the same. In fact, we need to get this matter of giving right now. If you're a younger person this morning with little you need to get this matter right now before God will entrust you with more. You need to get it right. We all know the story, don't we, of the widow and the rich man, as it were, the rich men giving their money at the temple. And you remember Jesus was looking and uh, disciples were watching on and maybe they were drawn to the man, you know, the Richard Buffett, you know, the, oh, look at him, he's going to give a, good, give a good gift. And then the two mites that came from the widow. And we can talk about, you know, how much they had left. But the important thing about that to me is this. They both gave from their riches, from their little. And yes, we can speak about what they had left, but they both gave. You all, we all, have the responsibility with the money that God entrusts us to give, as it were, rightly before him this morning. 
the context of these, this uh, chapter we read in that chapter 36, Moses having come down from the mountain with those stone tablets with the Ten Commandments written on them. This was the second time. Because the first time, remember, they rebelled. They thought that Moses had gone too, too long. He wasn't going to come down. And so when he came down, they'd already made this golden calf, hadn't they? And he breaks, as it were, the stone tablets, the first ones that were written. He breaks them. And God has to judge his people. And in between time, there's, he was going to judge them all. He was going to start a new, as it were, covenant with Moses and his family. But Moses pleads on their behalf. And yet God still has to deal with his people. And there's a plague, and many die accordingly. So the people now, whose God's giving instructions to via Moses, are the ones that have come out of Egypt for that short time ago, and the ones who had rebelled against him, and who were in turn now were there living, whilst others had died as a consequence of their rebellion against God. I want you to first of all see this. God's method that he used on this occasion. God's method that he used. Through Moses, he shares the needs with the people. The needs for the tabernacle to be built. And you have all kinds of things, don't you, there? Gold, silver and bronze, purple and blue and scarlet thread, goat's hair. Maybe I could have done some of that as well. But ram skins dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, all kinds of things. All the details that would be required for the tabernacle to be built. He even talks about people to use these articles as well. Bezalel, a man whom the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit was in, in, in wisdom. Even the women, is it where that says, uh, and the women whose hearts stood with wisdom spun yarns of goat's hair. They brought their, their works, as it were, as well as monetary things, financial things, as it were. They gave to the Lord. But he goes on to say not only what to bring, what are the needs, but he shares the why as well. It's for the tabernacle. It's for the place where I will meet with you on a regular basis. It's the place where, is it where the high priest Aaron will come and offer on behalf of you a sacrifice in time. That day of atonement. That regular meeting with God on a daily basis there at the lampstand and the altar of incense. That regular place where I will meet with you. So he shares the need and he shares the why. You see, their giving was to be informed giving. It wasn't just to be, you know, just throw some money in the dish as it were, to bring something along to the Lord. No, it was informed giving. And can I say, first and foremost this morning, your giving should be informed giving. It's not a blind thing that you just do. Find out about what you're going to give to. What's it going to be used for? Is it just going to stay in the bank balances for the years to come? Or is it a God-honouring work? Is it an evangelistic work? Is it one that where this money is going to be coming in and going out and not just staying put in a bank balance for some rainy day, as it were? informed giving. I personally, I see lots of charities that come my way, as it were, asking for money. I personally give the bulk of my money that I give to them, as it were, to the Lord's work. 
Yet, sometimes I will give to charities. I think it's important that we're seen as Christians to help in social things as well, maybe on a local basis. But the the vast majority, I believe, should be given to Christ-centred, God-honouring works. Because the world isn't going to give to those works. But Christians, we should give to those works. But inform giving. It's often been said, the Lord alone saves. But he does not choose to save alone. And that's the wonderful privilege that you and I have had this past summer, isn't it? We've been a part of this work of the Lord in reaching individuals. There can be those Damascus Road meetings like Saul, where it's God's sole intervention in his life. Okay, he'd been witnessed to by by Stephen before, but, you know, God entering soul into his life there and then. But the vast majority of times, God uses individuals. When I got saved, individuals witnessed to me. Individuals prayed for me. Individuals invited me. He does not save alone. But similarly so is this. It is the Lord who alone provides for the needs of his work. But he does not choose to provide alone. He could have, you know, provided for that tabernacle, just like he did for the 40 years, as it were, while they wandered. He provided food and water. He had shoes that didn't wear out and clothes that didn't wear out. You know, God provided in miraculous ways. But God chose that the people who were going to use this place and meet with him would also have a part in the building of this tabernacle. Friends, we rejoice, don't we, when we come home or at the end of a week where we've been involved in evangelistic work and, you know, we get a part, we get a joy, we get a, oh, it's been worth it. It really has. For much of our time, it's sowing. But then you get the joy, don't you, hearing or being, you know, directly of actually being a part of leading someone to the Lord. And it's wonderful to hear the story of there of Jason over those weeks, years, that he communicated with him. And others did too as well. A great joy. But you know, giving can be that same joy as well. You read a letter, you know, the needs are there, and God moves you to give. And then you maybe get a letter back saying, because of this, we were able to do this, and so and so happened, and this happened. Our giving is a part of our evangelistic work as well. And God will use you, and he will use me, to be a part of that work as well. He provides through, providing through you and me. We're his hand, we're his feet, we're his mouth. And Christians around the world, God uses them, all of us, to support his work and the ongoing work of the gospel as well. It is a privilege of giving. God has, as it were, shared that with you and me, just like he has shared the possibility of the evangelistic work as well with you and me. It's a privilege. And that's what we see here. Men and women, they came and they gave. They gave lots of different things. It says, 35, 22, they came, both men and women, and as many as a willing heart and brought earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold 
to the Lord. I guess if I got a nose ring, I'd probably want to offer it to the Lord as well. But you know, some bought gold, silver, bronze. Some of the women brought cloth that they had spun. Some brought the ram skins, the, the, the animal skins, as it were, as it were, to cover the tabernacle, to keep it waterproof, as it were, as well. And the rulers, they brought the onyx stones. But what do you notice? They brought what they had. They brought what they had. They gave according to their ability. The onyx stones that were on the high priest, and his shoulders and on his breastplate there, you know, they weren't any more important than the badger skins. They weren't any more important than the cloth, as it were, there in the holy place and the holy of holies that the ladies had spun. They weren't any more important than the, the earrings, as it were, that made up the various items of gold, as it were, the gold there, the pure gold. Nothing was, as it were, that was given was more important than the other. It's like making a cake. If you leave out a very small part of the, as it were, of the mix, it affects the whole. Everything's important. And no matter whether it's a pound or a thousand pounds or 24 billion pounds, we give what we can. We give what we can. And it all has a part, it all has a place in God's work there as well. Some people gave their talent in many, in many ways here in the tabernacle. Some wove. Bezalel, he was a master craftsman. He, he overlooked, as it were, the making of all the furniture, all the items there in the tabernacle. You know, your gift matters, not just financial gift, but your gift is your talent as well. And there are lots of people that have contributed to the beach missions and to this weekend as well, who have given, not just financially, but of their time and efforts as well. Jason was sharing about Landidno there, that the Christian man who had made those benches, certainly at very little cost, as it were, to the mission. There are those that have given their time on this weekend, the guys who meet us at the car park, as it were, and tell us where to park. Those who stay up at night, as it were, on security duty as well. There are those in the office, those volunteers who come in. You know, in many situations, you'd have to pay people, wouldn't you, to do work, but they give their time. And that means the costs are kept lower as well. Those that cook, those that serve, those that do the sound equipment are really nice to them as well. And, and the music, musicians, and so many, many more backroom jobs as well. Maybe you can't give lots of money at the moment. You haven't got it. But you've all got talents that you can give to the Lord. Give according to your ability. And I do appreciate there's so many that I haven't said then as well, too. But I want to say, secondly, forgiving to be right, there's got to be the right motive. There's got to be the right motive. If you were to look at chapter 35, and in my Bible, I put little rings around the various words. Verse 5, take among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart. Verse 21, everyone whose heart was stirred, stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. Verse 29, they brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing. Verse 26, and all the women whose hearts stirred, their hearts were moved 
and overflowed and therefore they gave. It was not a burden to them. They gave, as it were, out of thanksgiving to God for all that he has done for them. This matter of giving will either be a burden, a battle, or it will be a privilege. Because it's a heart matter. The Bible talks here about those who gave from a willing heart. I don't know, it doesn't actually say, but I can well imagine there would be some people amongst that Israelites, who even though what they had had, they still didn't come and bring their offering before the Lord willingly. Maybe they brought it begrudgingly, and maybe someone said, hey, Angle, mate, if you can't bring it willingly, don't bring it at all. But that's exactly what happened here. A willing heart they came with. And so I guess the question that comes from that and begs itself there is what makes for a willing heart? How can a treasure of a church or a YL, a UBM, how can they, as it were, say something that will, you know, make this happen, what's happened in Exodus chapter 36? What can happen? What can they do? Well, first and foremost, what makes for a willing heart is this. Remember where you have come from and whose you are. Remember where you've come from and whose you are. In the case of the Israelites, they have come out of Egypt, out of toil and misery. They've been treated as slaves by Pharaoh. And then after that ninth plague came the tenth. And they had to take, didn't they, that, that lamb and put the blood on the, the lintel and the doorposts of their home. And on that tenth plague, they were pushed out of Egypt. And they came out with their families, with their herds, to worship God. God had protected them from the army that came running after them or came riding after them. He protected them. They had been stubborn and God just certainly had to judge them too. And maybe that was what was most recent in their minds. Some who had died because of their rebellion. And so therefore the people that day, the only people that day, who were those that escaped all that and through the mercy of God, were there before him. Their memories were still fresh of their redemption from out of Egypt and God's mercy to them in that situation then. God had bought them. They knew that clearly. They knew that they owed him everything. And so therefore their loving response was from an overflowing heart to give and give and give until there was too much. What's your memory like? If it's anything like mine, it's a bit frayed at the edges sometimes. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Which are God's. You weren't bought with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Keep Calvary in view when you consider giving Keep Calvary in view when you consider your spending too. You are God's. All that you have, all that I have, is His. Keep Calvary in view. But secondly, another motivation is this. Remember that you are just stewards of what God has given to you. Remember you're just stewards of what God has given to you. The Israelites would have no gold, no silver, no bronze, if God had not said to them, 
take it from the Egyptians. The Israelites would have no herds to take the skins of some of those animals had God not brought them out of Egypt with those herds. The Israelites would have no food, as it were, save, as it were, for his provision day by day to them. Everything that they had was given by him. Sometimes, you know, we're a bit like a child. Dad takes the child to McDonald's and he says, what do you want? I'll have a a meal. So they get a meal and they sit down and eat. Dad's not so hungry, so it's just the child. He takes, takes out for the day. And as the child, as it were, starts to eat, Dad says, can I have one of, your, one of your fries? And he reaches over with his hands. And the child knocks the hand away and says, hey dad, these are mine. These are mine. How would you feel if you were the dad? Hey, hang on a minute. Just a few seconds ago, I, I took money out of my wallet and, and I paid for those fries. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I did that. I, I could have bought ten meals as it were, but I bought one for my child. And here he is. You know, I could have bought myself, but I wanted something from him. It's probably not a good thing to take from a child, as it were, certainly a boy anyway. But you you, you can see, can't you, the picture, how he would feel. Are you slapping God's hand away on occasions by saying, God, not this. This is mine. This is mine. It's been given to me. In Matthew chapter 5, there's a parable of the three, of the three people who are given talents by, the Lord, by the, their master. Who goes away and he comes back and various talents. Some had earned more, but one had hidden it, of course. And the master says to the one who had hidden, he says, What, you have, done with my, what have you done with my talents? All that all they had was his. All that they had was his. And he wanted it back. Everything that we have belongs to God. Psalm 24, verse 1, The the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those that dwell therein. But it's not just a question of what we have as spare, as it were, and what we give on a regular basis according to our ability. Yes, I do believe that we should regularly give to the Lord. You know, in the office... There are various people there who work, who have to get paid all the 12 months of the year. Not just in the summer. Although, I don't know what Adele does in the office for the rest of the year. I've got to be careful there. <laughs> you know, but there are regular expenditure. And what goes to UBM goes for your church. Goes for your Christian union. Goes for various missionary works that are in our land and around the world. Regularly. A regular giving. But it is a question of not just what we, as it were, have spare, but what we give, but what we do with what we have left as well. I'm amazed sometimes when people say to me, I haven't got enough money, I haven't got this, I haven't got, you know, having four daughters, you you know what it's like. But I notice too that these people who don't seem to have any money seem to have the latest gadgetry. When I compare my brick of a phone versus my daughter's phone, I think to myself, I'm, some, I'm doing something wrong here. I've still got eight pounds left on mine. I put ten pounds on about two years ago. But anyway, that's the phone I've got. If I ever ring you and you've got a mobile, I shall say very quickly, 
Are you near a landline? That's my, as it were, uh, first comment to anybody with a mobile. She convinces me that it costs nothing, Dad. You know, I get one of these contracts that goes on for a year. All I hope is that she remembers every quarter to send those pieces of paper away. But it reminds me of the story that Liz told me when she was on beach missions with Werner Wright. Werner, Steve's father and one of the founders of beach missions, along with Lance and others there, but she was on beach missions in Douglas in the Isle of Man. And as they came back from the beach, Werner said to Liz, Is Lance around? Is Lance around, says Liz. He, he's in St. Ives, somewhere well away from the Isle of Man anyway. I was just checking. Would you like an ice cream? <laughs> now many of you might think, well, what's that about? You see, Lance and Werner used to challenge each other about their spending or non-spending. And I can be on, I could be on teams with Lance who'd say, you know, you know, I'd be, I'd be having an ice cream as I came back, you know, licking away, and he said, do you realise that there are widows giving to this work who've given their last pound that you might be able to come on the beach missions? Do you want to lick? You know? <laughs> But, you know, there was the challenge, as it were, of giving, of spending money there. And friends, nothing's changed. Organisations up and down the land, if you ask them, who gives on a regular basis? Often it is still the widows. And if you ask a little bit more detail as well, it's often the widows still giving when they've died as well in their legacies that they left. Lots of organisations, churches, as it were, missionary societies, depend upon the giving of those who, in society as a whole, you might also, they've got so little. But they are millionaires, I can tell you, with God. They gave willingly, they give willingly. There's no such thing as a free folder. There's no such thing as a free magazine. There's no such thing as a free postage back to us as a missionary society. Use the free postage. As I was reminded at work, there are no, as it were, free dinners. No free meals. Somebody has to pay. And it isn't you or me, then somebody else has. And therefore we should be those who should be good stewards of what God has given to us responsibility for. Don't say you haven't got money to give when you've got money to spend. Consider your giving. Consider your spending. But then thirdly, in this matter of a willing heart, what's the other key? Remember that giving is part of your worship. Remember that giving is part of your worship. The Israelites gave because they knew that this place, the tabernacle, would be a place where God would meet with them. And they gave willingly that they might meet with him. Do you know when the, mention, the first mention of the word worship is? It's the same time as the time when the first word, or the first time that the word love is mentioned. Genesis chapter 22. Abraham, we will go and worship. We will, as it were, we worship And love go together. When he offered his son before God, thinking that he would have to kill his son, 
as an offering before God. Worship, giving, and love, they all go together. Shouldn't it be the same for you and for me? Worship is far more than just a a slot in the programme. We all have a worship time when we sing or we pray. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, by the mercies of God, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. All that we have, we present before him. I wonder whether your giving is such that you've sorted out, that you can go and to that offering box, wherever it is, uh, say in the CU, the church, the, the meeting here, wherever. And yet when you go, you present that before the Lord as your offering before him. You're part of your worship. I heard of a church who when they take up the offering of their church and they offer it before God, they say, God, something like, this is what we think of you. <laughs> Can you imagine what people would be thinking who've just tipped God, as it were, just, as it were, tipped him, rather than thoughtfully, in a real sense of worship, having offered that to God? Honour the Lord, it says in Proverbs 3, I read this past week, honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Honour the Lord. Worship the Lord. With the first fruits of all your increase. You know, when you start to think about your, your giving, when the increase comes, or that big gift comes to you, or that legacy that you receive personally, then the first thing that we should do, when you get your pocket money, when you get that loan, you say, oh, oh dear, me, that's a loan, is that your money? We'll come on to that in a moment. But you know, when you get money, Do you give the first to God? Or is it just the bit that gets left, if you've got left, if you've got any left in the pocket later? You honour your gift, you honour your God by the gifts that you give to him. Simple, isn't it? You give according to your ability, and as your ability increases, you give more. We give regularly. We give it to the Lord. You know, Howard Hughes, who was a millionaire, he died a, a pauper with God. But people like George Moore there in Bristol with the orphanages. To the world, he was a pauper, but before God, he was a multi-millionaire. Because he had given himself, given his gifts to the Lord's work. There's a message that just illustrates this in Matthew chapter 6, and it talks about... Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How much did he leave? The discussion about a will that somebody had left everything the only thing that you or I can take with us to heaven is something that's heading to heaven 
And that's people. That's why we evangelize. And that's why I believe that we should be investing in works that have that as their core. A Christ-honoring, God-honoring, as it were, Christ-centered work. Invest your money in soul-saving works. There is a part to play in the social as well, in meeting the physical needs. I know that too. But invest your work in a God-honouring work. And so just finally, something to do. I hope and pray that God has moved your heart this morning. I hope that your desire is this morning out of a willing heart to at least consider what's been said this morning. They say money talks. What does your giving say to the Lord? And maybe if you're honest and there's been times in my life as well and, maybe, and I need to check out my giving as well. And maybe we've got comfortable in our giving. There are people here who earn and they've had increase. They've had this. We all, as it were, have to come before the Lord, don't we? And to check out our hearts with the Lord. Calvary, is it still fresh in my mind? I'm a steward. Lord, I want to worship you. Could I ask you, could I plead with you to sort this matter out? You'll need to keep it checked up as it were as years go on, but to consider this matter for yourself. I say whether it's pocket money, whether it's a loan. I've thought a little bit about that. Whose is that money? Is that your money or the government's money? Well, it's future money you're going to have to pay back, isn't it? You know, for students here this day, maybe you've, because of the system that our government has forced upon you, in many respects, sadly, I think, you're at the point whereby you owe money. But you do have money, don't you? You pay your bills, you pay your, 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 uh, the room money, you pay your, your, your food, but you have money. And you think, well, you think it's free, so well, I've got that much that's free, as it were, from the things that are fixed. I can't do anything about the electric, the gas, whatever. Can I ask you to consider that money? And say, Lord, what would you have me give from here? From this? From others that maybe your, your, your Christmas money, your birthday money, whatever it is. Other monies that given you. I'll consider that. Christian unions need money on a regular basis too, aren't they? Sometimes they can't do what they would like to do because funds are not there. But if each gave a pound, a couple of pounds, whatever you can before the Lord, everyone has to search their own hearts. But whatever it is, I pray that we might be like the person there in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly, or of necessity. It's not like being taxed, nor of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, you know, I can just imagine, 
that Mr. Lewis, £5,000, he wasn't well, by the way. He, he was depressed because having lost a, a, a dear friend. But, you know, can you imagine that you've been given some money and you checked it out and you, you stood it out with the Lord and you thought, I've got this. I'm going to give it all to the Lord. It's not a burden. But you want to give it. And hilarious. You know, I'm giving my last pound. You know, I don't know where the next pit's coming from, but I'm giving it. A hilarious giver is the, is the translation from that word as well. Part of that comes in my mind is because I gift aid as well. So when I give a pound, 28p comes back from the tax I paid from last year. And I think to myself, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. You may be a regular giver already. God bless you. But check out on a regular basis your giving. Could you spend less? Could you live on less and give more? Are you giving to a God-honouring work? Check out what you give to before you give it. Ask the questions of the treasurer. Do you have a prayerful interest in the work? Sometimes you think, well, there's so many different pulls on my money. I believe God will lay upon your heart a work and work works. Thankfully, he lays on other people's hearts other works. But a prayerful interest in that work. You will never outgive the Lord. You will never outgive him. 2 Corinthians 8 9, just to finish with. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That's not talking about bank balances. That's talking about rich spiritually and the joy of knowing that we're doing what God wants us to do. Keep Calvary, keep Christ central in your thinking when you consider your giving before the Lord. And may God bless you. And just as we've had the joy of seeing people one for the Lord this past year, may you have the joy as well of meeting the need of others with your giving as well. May God bless you this morning as well. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for yourself. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he willingly came and he gave himself entirely to us. And we, Father, do pray. Help us, Lord, each one of us, whatever our circumstances, to have the joy of giving back to yourself that which is right for yours. Help us to honour you with all that we have, our talents and ourselves, in Christ's name, for his sake and glory. Amen.